Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Tuesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. What's up, everybody? Happy New Year, post Christmas. It's that that week where we're all kind of just taking a collective breath. And I hope that you were doing that with uh, friends, family, loved ones, whoever it is you're doing with. Or if you're just doing it by yourself, totally cool. Hopefully, you're chilling a little bit, just taking that time for yourself to, uh, you know, recharge for the new year, all those other platitudes that people say during this time. But This week, we are not taking any time off. I am having a great discussion with my friend Todd Mackey. He is the vocalist from hardcore band With Honor, who has recently signed with Pure Noise Records, started playing shows again, uh, is probably going to be putting out a new record at some point in the near future, hopefully in 2022. Uh, Some great stuff in store for the band, but I love With Honor and I love Todd. Him and I got along swimmingly well when I was trying to (laughs) sign his band to the record label I worked at, and we just got each other on a pretty deep level, and uh, I always wanted to have him on the show and just kind of lost touch after a while, and uh, yeah, we recently reconnected on the beautiful social media platform known as Instagram. And um, yeah, we we got into it. And so he also played in Life in Your Way. He does a really cool coffee slash donut shop called Need Donuts in the uh, greater Rhode Island area. And that's what he's been doing ever since, you know, the band has uh, been been not actively touring and, you know, releasing music and stuff like that. So we talked a lot because that's what we do in this podcast. But what you can do for me as a favor, and I promise this will take you less than five seconds. Uh, if you listen to the podcast on Spotify, they recently just launched a Spotify star rating system, so you can easily do that. Just tap, hopefully, five stars that you're feeling generous, um, and then that way, you know, it makes the algorithm work appropriately for this podcast. You can also do the same on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a review there. I check those out religiously. <laughs> I just, you know, I enjoy to get that sort of feedback, constructive criticism, whatever you like to call it. But um, yeah, I am currently 
in Lake Arrowhead, which is a beautiful snow town up in the mountains here in California. And uh, so I'm going to keep this tight. But here is Todd Mackey from With Honor. And uh, let's go. I'm just going to go out and say it that like I genuinely love you as a human being and I'm I, I would I would say that I'm a homer for you, Todd. <laughs> wow. Just, yeah, I, I I've just always felt that kinship for you. <laughs> and I can't recall the first time we actually like met one another, but it was one of those things that once we met, I felt a fast friendship and you know, we were deep friends at that point. And what I find interesting is like that definitely happens not all the time, but it happens maybe more commonly within the context of independent music and punk and hardcore. And I really can't put it into terms of why that happens beyond just shared experiences. And obviously we can joke about the same stupid bands or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure now that you have, you know, aged into a mature human being, you've reflected on that as well. Like, does it, not only does what I'm saying resonate with you, but like, have you been able to sort of, I guess, contextualize it or articulate it? Who? I mean, I would never be so bold as to say I can articulate it or or have have nailed the context. I do agree. I mean, that was a, a, first and foremost in the advent of our relationship and and the value that um, that I have for it, and you know, historically, it was just so. I, I mean, especially post having come out to to stay with you at at the house, and you know, just had a, a super memorable time, and and from there, all of the times coming through Southern California, I mean, they were really special. But but yeah, I I, I think it's really mysterious. I often look back, and I'm just so grateful. I feel like I thought as what now in the rear view looks like. I mean, I was an adult, but I I think more a kid than anything. You know, I look back and that whatever the trust that was sort of demonstrated by those that were ahead of me that I sort of thought was just the natural state of things socially within this punk hardcore scene and was exemplified by our relationship and so many relationships that we in with honor were fortunate to have with people all over the place. Um, you know, I just look back and I, I can only account for that now as very unusual, you know, that, that, um, I think it was shared culture, uh, the same way that as a, you know, a parent to, to kids, you know, you're like at the school function and you're, you quickly become friends with the people that you're like, wow, we have nothing else in common, but we are here at this, uh, this fall elementary school fun fest or whatever, you know, sure. but, but then there's something well beyond that, that I think, I mean, I, I look back and I had this deep sense that everybody had shared values and I think that changes everything, you know, and then come to find like in the context of someone like you, you know, that that is confirmed over and over again with experience after experience. And then you feel wildly endeared to one another, you know, with relationships that like, for example, you know, a few weeks back having just played Furnace Fest, 
you know, we are seeing people that we hadn't seen in decades. And it doesn't feel like time has gone at all. Besides the fact that, yeah, I mean, time shows that it's gone <laughs> sure. with our with with our uh, fatigue and you know just the general kind of like, wow, yeah, hey, uh, you know, remember that time, you know, long period of silence type types of experiences. But um, but yeah, I think that there was this general, you know, and and sort of significant shared trust and the assumption of shared values. That um, you know, you def- I, I haven't experienced it anywhere nearly as as deeply as in that scene. Yeah, no, I think you're correct. I mean, it's definitely proximity, and then I, I do think that you kind of pulled on the thread of just the the intensity of the experience too, where it's like you you already automatically kind of go into these relationships with your heart pretty open, and you're just like looking to pour people in there, <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh yes. Like I, I already like you, even though I don't know you. And then once it's confirmed that it's like, Oh yes, like this person is a good hang and they do share a lot of the same values. Like you are talking about it. It makes it, it, it makes that relationship just that much more intense where I think that other relationships from a proximity perspective are, like i mean they're they're intense in but I, not in the same way that you <laughs> they're, like, yeah. they're most certainly not full of possibility right and i think like characteristically some of the relationships that that we had in our early 20s like discovering the country and beyond and and you know you we fell quickly into this position where it was like wow you assume the best of people until you can't which is a pretty crazy thing in hindsight as, you know, someone uh, near 40 and, you know, and who has been burned plenty of times, you know, here, there, anywhere, you know what I mean? But I think that's a, I look back to that and I find that that's one of the most like life-giving demonstrations in my own personal experience for resetting no matter, you know, what I'm up to or where life has brought me, where, you know, to go back to focusing on the possibility within people, the possibility and the goodness within, you know, a circumstance. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was just by chance. I think there were a lot of people doing a lot of cool things and, um, but yeah, we all started open rather than like closed trying to crack into one another. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good way of looking at it. Well, we'll travel around that uh, general topic throughout the conversation. But, uh, you know, I know putting the spotlight on you as a human being, were you actually born and raised in Hartford? I was born in, well, I was born in Hartford, in a hospital in Hartford, Connecticut proper. I was raised uh, in one town over directly north of Hartford on the 91 as you Californians might say, um, Interstate 91, one exit out of Hartford in a town called Windsor, Connecticut, which was, um, you know, super nerfy, uh, toothless kind of suburban area to grow up in. Hartford was like the insurance capital of the U.S. at the time. And I mean, a fantastic place to have like a, what would most people would say is like sort of a quintessentially nerfy suburban uh, upbringing. <laughs> Sure. Very, very idyllic. Very Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. 
It, it is interesting too, because even though I, I've just been noticing um, with the the kinetic connection to the punk and hardcore scene, it was you know I mean there was always venues there and there was always uh, bands that were coming from there, but it, Connecticut always struck me as a very transitory. Um, you know, cause obviously because the state is so small and it's, you know, very easy to get to Boston and New York. Sure. I just felt like there, it didn't seem uh, to have as much of a foothold within the independent music scene as obviously those other cities did. Um, do you recognize that at all? I just want to make sure I'm understanding the question. You're suggesting that, that while like, it was more a pass through on between New York and Boston or that those cities had more longstanding uh, bands or communities that were kind of coming out and flying their flags. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think my perspective would support that in ways, but then I'd also disagree. I mean, Connecticut, because of its proximity, we, I mean, we had an unbelievable amount of access to tours and shows, let alone the fact that, you know, by a certain point, Jamie uh, of Hatebreed was booking shows, you know, three, four, five days a week um, in Connecticut proper. Not only, you know, drive two hours this way and you're in the city, um, but, you know, drive two hours the other way and you're in Boston. Uh, I think the thing that ended up happening a lot to a lot of awesome talent in Connecticut is like, come time to go to university. We had a, a plenty of people fly up to um, Boston and essentially become, you know, Boston kids or whatever you'd call it. Like, you know, bands that, you know, even whole bands that essentially were initially Connecticut bands that you know, moved up to Boston just because the scene and, and the general feel was kind of a bit more active. But, but you know, right as With Honor was beginning late 90s, early 2000s, I mean, this, the activity in Connecticut and the number of Connecticut bands that were, you know, tr like truly Connecticut, flying the Connecticut flag, uh, area codes, et cetera, very proud uh, in that scene. I mean, it was... It was wildly prolific at that time. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, and obviously you have clubs like, you know, LNG and TuneIn and all those things. And it, it definitely just seemed, it, it, it seemed to be, there was a, always a, a struggle to find that. And I know most cities have that, like they struggle to find a reliable venue <laughs> where it was like something you could, you could really lean on to be able to put on shows of varying shapes and sizes and musical genres. Yeah. The craziest thing that we learned in Connecticut, and it's funny because, you know, 15, 16 years ago, I moved, you know, a, a short distance east to Providence, Rhode Island, which is, you know, super cool city, lots of great bands and artists here as well. Um, but very, very different than the culture I came up in within the Connecticut scene. But like in, in CT, like, we had people like Jamie, like clearly demonstrating that even if the venue fell through, the show goes on. I mean, I can't tell you. And I remember seeing Taken in VFW halls and, you know, like um, you must have played the Waterbury VFW in Connecticut. Uh, I feel like um, on that, uh, were you out with this day forward and you must yeah. have played that that venue. So, you know, there is this, I mean, and these were like floors of you know, VFW veterans halls that were rented out, a PA dropped in and, you know, you'd have 200 kids at that show. Yep. Um, and in some cases, much, much bigger. I mean, some of the, the venues that were the longest standing venues were not even clubs. So, you know, the, the amount of fortitude and perseverance it took 
um, to actually pull that off consistently um, is incredible. And I always uh, look back to to Jamie and that whole crew for how much work they put in. But then there was, I mean, because everyone saw that, that became the model. And you'd, you'd see these shows popping up in these micro scenes, you know, within the Connecticut scene popping up in towns, you know, uh, all over the state, which is, which is wild. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Especially because Connecticut felt like one large suburb, you know, oh, like for was, it, which it yeah. very much is. <laughs> totally, totally. And so you, you saw the influence bouncing around the state to where it's like, you know, all of these different scenes could pop up, you know, even though it was all contained within, you know, an hour yeah. radius or whatever. Yeah. I also think there was probably some benefit to having a lot of deep history in like early you know, youth crew and punk and, you know, that, that there were these kind of like, you know, for kids like me, there were eras that had gone by that were really notable that there were still people active from who would tell stories. And we were always trying to essentially channel that energy back. Do you know what I mean? Like, like people who had been, you know, seasons ahead of us, bands who had come and gone, who we still listen to their records and, you know, to have the the legacy that, oh, wow, you know, that happened here. Like, let's do that again. Um, let's have that kind of vibrancy again and, you know, try to make uh, an even bigger mark. I mean, that was essentially the the hope. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I totally get that. And so how did, what does your family structure look like growing up? Like mom and dad in the house and brothers and sisters? Yeah, I grew up with one older sister. She's three years older than me. Um, mom and dad in the house, you know, very, like I said, I mean, I go back to Nerfie, but it was awesome. I mean, very loving, supportive. Um, you know, I had a very consistent childhood that way. I mean, maybe uh, if anything to a fault, you know, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, there are things looking back where I'm like, oh, wow, you know, the consistency is awesome. But, you know, it's some some uh, uh, adventure or breaking more of the mold. I mean, I think could have resonated in ways that maybe would have turned a certain light on or flipped a certain switch earlier. But not to say I try to revise in my mind. Um, but yeah, just really, you know, always played sports, loved school. You know, I never really felt like I... I fit um, necessarily in any of those contexts, but um, but I just felt like I could kind of float from thing to thing. And I feel like that was, I don't really know why or, you know, where that was instilled from, but I felt like I never felt like a total resonance and belonging, um, you know, in a place until getting into the band and just feeling like, whoa, you know, this, I think amidst the the opportunity to have the influence and to be able to say something like there was a new level of belonging that was opened up um, that, you know, I kind of had little bits and pieces in different places until that point, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like did um, I guess how did like faith or religion kind of play a part of it? Because I mean, from what I can sort of tell and what I know about you, like there was elements of that and maybe it influenced some of your discovery of independent music kind of initially. Um, did that play a part of it or am I just completely misremembering? <laughs> yeah, no, there's a, a bit of a, a fabric to it all, right. As with anyone, but yeah, I was, I grew up a church kid and, um, that was a big role in my life and my family's life. And I think a really positive one in hindsight, I mean, there's certainly tons of baggage. I feel like, 
uh, I've had to work through like uh, slowly and surely through the years to kind of like uh, come through with a healthier worldview. Um, but that's probably uh, a different podcast. <laughs> sure. um, but but super positive, and and I was plugged into a variety of communities uh, locally and, and in a bit of a wider net, um, you know, through church and different, you know, sub church organizations, you know, camp or what have you. Um, and I think that there was a way that that connected me to the idea of looking beyond just your local network, like your local school or like what you can do, like, you know, in your neighborhood. And that always was really compelling. I got into, you know, I, I was first turned on to, to music and the scene by my cousin, um, you know, who had nothing to do with this other part of my life, but who was active in local bands. And then I actually met uh, other kids through like this church network that were into, you know, uh, a handful of bands that were in the Connecticut scene, just like, you know, not separated out or anything, you know, that were doing this Christian hardcore thing. And that, that totally spoke to me. Um, because I was here where punk was like really hitting a certain channel for me. And then, you know, these Christian punks that I was like, man, that, that just seems more punk than anything. Cause the scene at the time, like just hated it. And, uh, you know, and, but it sort of combined these various things. And then I, you know, I started to pick up records like strong arms, advent of a miracle and, you know, things like that. And I was just like, wow, this is the confluence of, you know, parts of me that, could, you know, were completely harmonized and inspiring. And I felt like I could actually be all of me and explore all of those aspects of my own truth, um, you know, safely and without having to like, you know, wear a label or be classified. So, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's deeply rooted uh, in the beginning. I mean, I, I, my first band life in your way, which later went on, you know, after I had left to do with honor full time to sign to solid state records and, um, you know, we were deeply embedded within the tooth and nail solid state, you know, Christian hardcore scene. And I still am very close friends with, you know, and with honors toured with a lot of the bands in that scene as well. So, yeah. um, it was a cool way that it kind of all weaves together. Well, especially too, where I think that notion of, you know, finding music, like you said, that, you know, speaks to you on so many different levels and especially from a, you know, religion slash faith standpoint to understand that, like, hey, these bands don't suck. Yeah. <laughs> Most of Christian music like was terrible. And, oh, know, it was a total hack. I mean it was it was completely the the what what I was being sold in on that side culturally was just so watered down. Like the culture was not good. No. Right. And and to be to be someone who's calling a spade a spade and saying, wow, this is snake oil, like uh, why, like, why are we not creative, you know, quote unquote, we, right. And then to be, you know, to tap into this where like people are at these, you know, at halls and, you know, skate parks and in punk venues. And you're like, you know, they're, they have something that they're exploring. They want to say, and, and they're as good or better in some cases as the bands are playing with. And there's mutual respect in, in so many cases, you know? Um, which I thought was amazing. I, I wish that we could see more of that in, in the world. 
<laughs> no, totally. Yeah. It just, it was, it, I mean, it felt the way that like, you know, when you're trying to introduce a person to like veganism or vegetarianism and be like, oh yeah, here's like a piece of fake chicken. And they're like, oh, this is actually good. And it's just like, yeah, same thing as like, you know, strong arms, advent of a miracle. It's like the same thing. You're like, oh, this is pretty good. Like I like yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> Band merch, right? Let's be honest. It is an incredibly important part of all of our lives. If we are going to shows and we are contributing to this independent DIY community, band merch is um, a really important part of it. I mean, whether it's buying merch directly from bands or whether it's buying via rockabilia.com. What is really powerful about this company is that, first of all, they're giving you a rad 10% off offer only for listeners of this podcast, 100 words. That gets you 10% off, and uh, they have so much stuff. What, but what makes it incredibly, incredibly important is the fact that they pay the bands. None of this bootleg stuff. It's all officially licensed. They have so much merch that it, it, they say over half a million items. I would venture a guess they're probably getting close to a million because they have everything you could possibly want. Gifts for your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, and then also get some stuff for yourself because band merch is the lifeblood of this community. And uh, I love Rockabilia. I love what they do. So again, go to rockabilia.com, use this code 100 words, 10% off your order. You will be happy you did that and use that code because it lets them know that this show sent you. So rockabilia.com, officially licensed. 100 words that is the promo code go enjoy and have fun the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. we all carry around different things that stress us out right like maybe it's something really really small like man that parking space it's always taken and i wish that i would be able to like get it instead of you know this person that maybe you know is the most courteous and considerate I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. So as you started to, you know, kind of develop your identity and like you said, start to ingest some of more, you know, independent culture, um, you know, was, uh, were you immediately kind of like taken by the idea of playing in a band? I know life in your way, like that, that started roughly when you were in high school or was it? Before? Yeah, I think it was, I think 16 or 17. I mean, by now looking back, I mean, there's, there's. It's funny, you know, a year goes by at this age and you're like, oh yeah, another one of those. Uh, at that point, you know, a year was like a lifetime, right? So it's it's funny to have the lack of clarity looking back. But, but yeah, I would say safely 17. Um, prior to that, I, I grew up playing drums and, and playing in like bop jazz 
kind of combos like, you know, the era of uh, Wayne Shorter, Hank Mobley, you know, Miles Davis, Coltrane, those guys. And, and so I was accustomed to playing and we would actually, you know, as I was getting into high school, you know, we were actually busy and, and gigging and stuff. So um, not, I don't even know if I've, I've mentioned that in any other sort of with honor focused podcast, but, but I know. Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to have to pause. So you were playing, you were playing drums in essentially like a jazz band and you were like gigging around with that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, because of our proximity to New York and, you know, I mean, and we were close to, uh, U heart where Jackie McLean, who was an alto player played, you know, put out records on blue note records, played with miles Davis. He was the head of that jazz program. So like Hartford actually had what was a very exciting, um, you know, jazz scene. And then I, I just came up with these kids like, uh, you know, I played for years with the the Curtis brothers, Luquez and Sakai Curtis, who you can go out and buy their records now. I mean, they're, they're unbelievable piano and bass player. And we were the rhythm section of, of this combo. And I mean, I, they, I was looking back, I was way out of my depth, um, but I was like so challenged. It was so exciting. And, but, but I mean to say the idea of like, going out and like making something and just set, counting it off and being like, yeah, here we go. Like that was, by the time I was playing in like, you know, punk and hardcore bands, that was nothing. I mean, that just felt so natural. It was more the thing that really bit me, like uh, got under my skin in, in like an intoxicating type of way was the idea that you could, you know, offer, I, you know, uh, commentary like politically socially um that you might have something that you want to share that you could you know the idea that in these shows in these venues like people would be screaming at the top of their lungs in agreement over things and i just felt like i'd never seen that anywhere else i never saw it in schools i never saw it in churches i never saw it you know in in politics and it was really hopeful to me you know um yeah and so I still listen to a lot of jazz and I, I love it, but that it was, I, and ironically, I see more connection between like that era of jazz and DIY punk hardcore, just from like an energy of, of, you know, uh, doing something from nothing, you know, breaking the rules, like they coincide in lots of ways to me. So that it was a very natural jump. Sure. Well, I mean, that's cool. Just like the idea of, you know, performing and like you said, being able to do this stuff, even though it's on a completely different level and context, it's still you're able to provide the connective tissue to to kind of see that. And like you said, to be able to differentiate between the two, not only sonically, but just like, OK, these are the different uh you know, itches that it scratches. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And so what's kind of, um, from a, a life path perspective, you know, I, I'm going to guess that like once your parents started to see you, you know, travel in these really, you know, alternative circles, we'll call it, <laughs> like, were they concerned about you? Of like, oh, Todd's bringing some weird music that is clearly not jazz. Like, what's what's the deal? Like, you know, were they, did they... I guess not prevent you from pursuing it, but were they? No. Of, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they, it got weird when I, because with honor put out a demo and within the year we had quit school, anybody who was in and, and left everything and we were out doing the thing. And 
um, you know, I think they were really rattled by that. You know, um, I had a few older family members, you know, extended family who were pretty harsh. Um, and I think, you know, looking back, I was really rattled because, um, you know, I was really upset uh, because I thought, you know, man, where have I where have I done anything where, you know, you shouldn't trust me with with making these choices? Looking, you know, from this angle, I totally get it. It's just like, yeah, they couldn't see what I could see, you know, and um and, you know, add to that, that, yeah, the culture was so different. And, you know, my parents never really tried to, um, oh, it's, it sounds sort of sad, Ray. They never tried to understand. <laughs> well, um, that, I mean, that, they're, that's a, not an impossible task, but that is really hard. For sure. Yeah. So for it's sure. Not, it's not sad, Tony. But I just mean like, you know, like my parents never came out to a With Honor show. They, oh, okay. you know, there that was is, never. That is sad. That is sad. Yeah. <laughs> there was, and, it, and it's funny. I think that they, you know, I've often thought about this and I'm like, because I, you know, I look at my kids and I'm like, I wouldn't miss any that I could go to. Like I just, I just wouldn't. Um, and maybe that's the, the pendulum swinging back the other direction, but maybe it's also just a difference in, you know, I think they had various experiences where, you know, they were making decisions and, and kind of gaining their independence and they actually had to really fight for that. And there were, you know, parent relationships that were more intrusive and lacked boundaries. And, you know, so, I mean, in most cases, save for, you know, the moments where you rip the bandaid and you're like, hey, I'm quitting school again. I'm out. You know, we're going to do this thing or whatever. I mean, by a certain point, I think they started to see that, you know, I was taking all aspects of my life seriously. And I was, I was, you know, I actually did pursue university remotely while on tour for a time and ended up finishing things and, you know, have put together, you know, a pretty, pretty cool career post uh, full-time music. And, you know, but it, I think it just took them a while. Um, they were trusting when it wasn't acutely painful. Um, but in the context where it was, they tried as hard as they could to just not say anything. I think they bottled up the frustration, um, which in some way was actually really loving, you know, like they didn't project it onto me, but I think because of that, they didn't really want to come out and be a part of it. Um, so it's kind of a season that I think they would look back on and have no context for what happened. Like I could tell them all day long, Hey mom, I'm at CBGB's like we're headlining tonight. This is great. You know? And she would have no context of what that could even mean or look like. She just like, well, you're not home. Um, right. so good luck, you know, call me tomorrow. <laughs> Where, where, are you, where are you sleeping tonight? Oh, on a stranger's floor? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Okay, here we oh, go. Oh, what do you guys do for food? Well, not much, Mom, but, you know, um, yeah. we'll see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, totally. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll get a $15 buyout to split amongst six people. So we're fine. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, I mean, like you mentioned with uh, the band and, you know, once With Honor started to really capture people's attention, because like you said, there was a, a lot of attention, you know, relatively early on in the band's life, being able to, you know, put a record on Stillborn and start to start to be able to tour pretty actively. How did the kind of, you know, the business implications start to play, you know, and I, I use that maybe in air quotes because the moment that you start to make, you know, $150 at a show, you're like, oh my gosh, like we're, we're rich. Like this is insane. Everybody um, break it up. No, just kidding. 
totally. Yeah, it's just like, wow, we can actually buy pizza on this. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so how did you kind of start to navigate that stuff? Because, you know, you did have to make the decisions of being able to, you know, say yes or no to tours and, you know, printing merch and all that stuff. Was it a, a comfortable role for you to fill or did you just have to like learn to do that? Yeah, I, th- I think we had to learn to do it. And I think that some of the ways we didn't learn to do it became the reasons that things uh, became difficult and unworkable when they did. Um, you know, like with anything, it's, you know, everyone copes with stressors like escape, avoid, or control. And so you have those that would, you know, kind of step in and, and control and, you know, and, and with good intentions, you know, mind you, play the role of kind of like, hey, cool, like, you know, it's, it's so-and-so who's going to, you know, settle up every day and kind of handle this aspect and, and, you know, uh, and then they're going to, you know, manage the business end of our merchandising and, you know, stuff like that. But I, I think like it, it happened quick enough. And then we were also like inexperienced enough where that was not something that we really had a grasp of in, in the time, uh, in a, in what I would deem a super healthy way, um, in the time that the band, um, you know, was active. I think that, you know, we have, we, got things done and we made the best decisions we could. I'm not suggesting like, wow, man, Ray, we were all over the place. This was crazy. Um, I just think that, you know, we didn't, we didn't really set ourselves up for a very healthy kind of mutual, um, you know, five way marriage that, (laughs) that these things are, you know? And I, I don't think that we had examples and we certainly didn't have mentors that, that, could kind of lay out what we needed to do. And you just, you know, you kind of like, it's like a little bit like just giving it your best shot, falling on your face, picking yourself up, learning and um, trying to improve things all along the way. But, but yeah, they, they certainly didn't always go in our favor. That's for sure. Sure. And as you started to tour more actively, did you take to that experience or was that something that you, it kind of ebbed and flowed with your enjoyment? Yeah, I would say more than not. It, I took personally, I took to the experience. I, I love traveling and, um, and still love traveling. I, I think that it is the greatest possible way to learn about the world and about people. And I feel like it's opened my mind and my view of, of myself and, and, uh, others. Um, so I just felt like unbelievably, uh, grateful to have the opportunity to do that. If anything, I mean, the, the hardest part of it was that, you know, half the time, you know, your drives are far enough where you don't really see where the cities you're visiting or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, you know, that is a bit regretful looking back, but, but yeah, I think, you know, more and more as time went on, we got better at it and it felt less hand to mouth. And I mean, it literally was less hand to mouth, but, but it also felt like it had its room to breathe. I would say, you know, we were never, and this is simply my estimation. Some of the other guys might, might answer this question completely different and, and, you know, there's space for many truths. Right. Um, but I don't think we were ever like, you know, hard and fast road dogs, like just crushing it on the road. I think like, you know, we'd hit a certain point where everybody's spirits would kind of, 
you know, start to start to uh, shake a little bit. And, you know, it was just time to kind of go home and recharge, you know, where we would just burn out around each other and around the stressors. And, um, but yeah, amazing experience. I don't think, you know, I don't regret if, if the question were to be asked a certain way, you know, I would never say that I regret like not touring full time my whole adult life. You know, that's, that's a grueling, challenging lifestyle. And I, I have a lot of respect for people who have been able to stay with that that long, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially being able to, um, you know, alter their relationship with it where, you know, once it does kind of feel like a job, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, that it it gets, you know, you, you start to treat these things where it's like, okay, I have to deliberately go outside of the, you know, four block radius of wherever this venue is in order to like actually explore and feel like an adult as opposed to, you know, loading in and then sitting around twiddling your thumbs for eight hours. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, that is... I think also, yeah, being balanced in how you look at things and saying like, oh, this doesn't need to fulfill me all the time. Like life is more full than this. This is, you know, this is my work, right? Not just, not I don't believe in what I'm offering artistically, not I don't love this scene or the the opportunity I have or the people that I'm going to meet, but more the the kind of also like, yeah, hey, I'm not looking to be like wildly and completely fulfilled by this experience in every way, every day, you know, um, mm-hmm. which there is a certain adolescent bend, especially in punk and hardcore, or there was at the time where it was kind of like, well, you just do this because you love it or, or you don't do it at all, you know, and, um, you know, I think that's a sort of short sighted view. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. I agree wholeheartedly. 
And you, I mean, in the disposition of with honor, and then more specifically you, the presence that you have, like, I mean, you are definitely the same dude, kind of, you know, on and off stage. Like, you're very, you know, warm and also like welcoming and you know approachable, and that gives off a certain um, ability for the crowd and, and kids to be able to interact with you on you know a, a pretty deep level to be like, oh, your lyrics have changed my life here, you know, A, B, and C, like, here's this, this real world proof, how, you know, because of that, and you want to make that connective tissue with the audience, how did you navigate once that started to, you know, I mean, because as the band gets more popular, there's going to be more of those discussions night after night. Um, Did you have to, I guess, at any point, start to protect yourself? And I don't mean that in, you know, a a way that's like, oh, I'm better than the audience or whatever. But just like, did you have to navigate that at all? I think I would have been a lot healthier and I could have been in a much better place towards the, the time where, where, you know, with honor fell off, you know, its activity, um, in 2005, 2006. Like, I think if I were more cognizant of that and more aware, uh, of, you know, where that was, you know, where, where my needs were in that, uh, you know, how to be more healthy and more balanced and give myself, you know, the space I need at times when I needed it. Right. Like, I think I could have had a much more, uh, healthy and whole experience. I think, you know, there were pressures that, yeah, I mean, I wanted to turn everybody on, you know, I wanted to make everyone feel seen. You know, I felt like there were people who did that for me and I was grateful. And there was this kind of, you know, mostly healthy and and at sometimes unhealthy, like drive internally to be like, yeah, I want to provide that, you know, um, uh, that was the hope. Right. But, but yeah, there was never like a, a moment where it was like, wow, I'm just being crushed into dust. This is, insane. I mean, I would, I, I think I suffered more because I would let myself feel really bad about things I just couldn't control. Hey, the conversation I couldn't get to, or, oh, did you see so-and-so? Oh no, you know, we totally missed each other. Like as a show was bigger and you'd just be pulled this way and that and things just the scarcity, right? The tyranny, the urgent and the scarcity of the moment. And, um, but looking back, I wish that I I wish that I was more attuned to things like, oh, hey, when we get back where we're staying, I can't fall asleep for like three or four hours. Um, no. Why? Why is that? And, you know, realizing, oh, because, you know, I am I am not uh, I, I'm I'm not significantly far on the, the introverted side of the, the spectrum, but I am introverted. <laughs> And like most people would never pin me for that. And I don't think at that time I would have said like, oh, I'm an introvert. Like, you know, but I would leave the venues like drained, you know, physically for obvious reasons. But also, you know, I I was aiming to pour out and I felt like, wow, I, I need to spend time, you know, at the end of every night, like kind of just like recharging, you know, before I could even physically recharge. Um, and I just, I was not aware or tuned into that at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. You're, you're trying to, I mean, the metaphor of burning the candle at both ends, like you were just trying to do so much because you felt like that was what was, 
needed for you as the role of the lead singer of a band. And yeah, you just start to kind of get in a hamster wheel when, you know, that is not the <laughs> best position for yourself to be in in order to be like, oh, yeah, I got to show up tomorrow, too. For yeah. Well, and then there's the practical stuff where you're like, oh, if, I, if I'm shouting, essentially, conversations for four or five hours at this show, like on the floor with people over other bands while, you know, and then we play and then, you know, afterwards outside. And, you know, I mean, to think, I, I don't even know how I had a voice that could, you know, handle that. But I mean, there was a lot of physical wear and I don't know. I think there's, I've, I've since like pulled apart and, and broken down a lot of the things that were probably, you know, really skewed perspectives of, you know, things that, that I was either aspiring towards or ways that I hoped to show up for people that didn't need to be so consuming on, you know, um, that I could have trusted uh, bringing the positivity and and the message that we did without it having to be like, man, just crack yourself wide open and, and bleed out on the floor, you know? Yeah. Um, at the same time, it's kind of like, yeah, you just go to the wall. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting looking back, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the, you know, as you were um, figuring out how the, you know, band was like resonating with people and like, as you started to get bigger tours and stuff like that, did, I'm sure you had certain moments where it felt, for lack of a better term, like real, where it was like, wow, like this is much bigger than, you know, because I, I mean, most bands operate very like you were saying earlier very hand to mouth where it's like oh yeah we put out a demo and a seven inch and then we put out a full length and we do this and we take this tour um but usually there's those moments of like it doesn't even have to be like a big show but just like oh my gosh like this happened uh are there any moments like as i'm saying that that kind of stick out to you where it's like oh this is real yeah i mean i i think it was when we would start to play venues that i had attended shows in that were really special mm -hmm. you know like i love i i loved the lng when i was coming up i mean i saw so many great shows there cbgb same kind of thing you know um playing the troubadour or you know whiskey a go-go i mean those are just like you know these long-standing histories at these venues um so there's some of that but i would also say you know we were going so fast that there, I think one of the things I look back on sadly is that, yeah, there were times that I, I couldn't conjure that presence to really see, wow, hey, um, you know, here we are. I think, you know, when we would be overseas and, and people are singing along and, you know, or playing some of these bigger venues and, and a, a high, you know, build high on the, on the, the, uh, or listed high on the bill, I should say, you know, and and we held our own and, and you know, it turns out, wow, people are here for us, you know, and um, that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was transcendental. I mean, you just feel like, you know, you're doing exactly what you should be exactly when you should be. And that's, I think, because that was happening and it was happening so quickly. And I, you know, we're trying to wrap our young minds around that. Like, there was almost an inability to have the perspective, at least for me, where it was kind of like, oh, wow, that, you know, this isn't, I, I didn't assume it would last forever. I, I don't think I ever thought that. But I also don't think I had had enough perspective as an adult to say, oh, wow, that is super unusual. <laughs> you know, to, to have that, that combined sense of place, you know, hey, 
I'm right where I should be doing exactly what I should be right now. This is it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's really special to have had it. I think it's also, it's a, it's a trip. I'd, I'd be really interested to ask a lot of people who've had the experience in hindsight, you know, as adults 20 years later, like, Oh yeah. How, how do you wrestle with that? Because that's a really special thing to hold way back there. Um, especially in the ups and downs of, of life as it goes forward, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And the, with honor also sit at this really interesting juncture, especially in the era that you existed in the early two thousands, where there was so much happening within the independent music scene of bands of our genre and ilk, you know, getting signed to major labels, but then also being able to give a band a go that never would have had any sort of path to quote unquote success. And you guys were, I mean, in my opinion, at that precipice of it, but then it never tipped over to that, like, oh, yes, like, yes, we turned into a thrice or whatever. I mean, that's, mm. you know, like, not that that wasn't your aim. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you guys were, you know, going for it. Um, you know, how, I guess, how do you kind of reflect on that, you know, the the twilight of the band years where it was like, okay, <laughs> like, this is like, we understand kind of where things are going and um, not in a bad way, just in like, okay, like we gave it a go. Here was our records. Here was our, you know, our, our, uh, our, our college effort and okay, well this, you know, maybe it didn't resonate in the way that we wanted it to be. I know that there's no sour grapes because like, you can't look back on those things and be like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Like we sucked or whatever. <laughs> but like, you know, I, 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 I I'm sure it, it's you looking back and being kind of like, look, I clearly I'm thankful for my life is now, but you know, how did you, how did you kind of wrestle with that as things were, you know, progressing? <clears throat> yeah, that, man, that's a great question. I think, um, I'll I'll waffle a bit, Ray, if you don't sure. mind, um, and and hope that something you know uh, sort of coalesces here uh, as a, a sort of range of answers or a good central answer. Yeah, I, I don't. I think with honor was fast and hard enough, um, and we didn't really like we didn't pull apart as a result of you know um, acutely as a result of um, oh man, we tried but it didn't work. You know, I, like, like I had to leave at a point because we were, uh, the environment was just not healthy for me. Um, looking back, you know, I, I don't think that it was really, I can't hold anybody to that. And I would, I even soon after wasn't blaming um, anybody, you know, directly for like, oh, how could you do this? Or I did that or, you know. Um, I think that we were young and, you know, we had run really hard, really fast. And we also experienced like, you know, quote unquote success uh, in the punk hardcore scene really quickly in a way that we couldn't really have imagined for ourselves. Um, and that's not to say like, oh, man, we were so, you know, successful and and every which way. It was just to say like it snapped in a positive way before we could even ask it to. And I think that that conditioned us to, to not know what to do when we had to persevere, you know? Um, and we had a record that I think I look back on and I absolutely love the, the revenge record. I'm so proud of it even still. And I'm so glad we made that. I wish that 
we had prioritized just kind of creating an environment for everybody where we all felt heard and we all felt like we could bring ourselves to the surface and our goals could, could exist in harmony together. Um, and we just couldn't, and it was really adolescent and, you know, it's kind of like everybody, you know, holding too closely or being too fused to, you know, what they wanted to see as outcomes. Um, and, and, you know, we sort of fell off the ride at that point in hindsight. Yeah. Had we, you know, done another cycle, uh, touring wise for revenge, had we just, you know, put out the follow-up that, you know, we're going to, you know, at last get to, um, in the year ahead, um, which is very exciting stuff. Um, there's so many things that we, uh, kind of cut out of the picture by making that decision, um, that was, you know, it was the decision we made. There's no regrets over it. There's just, Hey, that's how we, it happened and how we did it. The environment also at the time was a pressure cooker. It was like, well, you know, how can you be abandoned not tour full time? And, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, can everyone survive this? Is this part of everyone's life goals? You know, we could have looked at it in a much more holistic kind of healthy, balanced, uh, in a, in a much more healthy and balanced view, but, but we just didn't have those faculties at the time. And, um, so yeah, I don't really look back and wrestle with like, uh, what was left on the table. I mean, I, I think, uh, it would have just been if we had had the ability to connect with ourselves and with one another to just say, man, we are tired. Like let's take a, a breath and a break and, and go back to it and like, make sure that everybody is, is, is loving this as much as, you know, uh, we're pouring in. Do you know what I mean? Where, where we're not just drying up, um, personally, you know, energy wise. Um, I think that there could have been a lot of fruit that, that we did not get to see. I mean, thankfully in playing shows years later, like it's so fun to see that material have taken root, mm -hmm. um, loving it so much. Um, because you know, it just took that time, but, um, but yeah, it, it was a very, I mean, you're, you hit on a very important topic. It was very much like a, this or that scenario with most bands and, and you know, still arguably to this day, but I, I think that there's much more room for bands to exist and actually have the ability to have longer quote unquote careers that don't have to, you know, kill, kill themselves in the road 250 days out of the year. Yeah. And I mean, there's a whole discussion around, like you talked about business acumen before where people are like, yeah, this makes no sense for us to do this run again when there's no album to support or, or to play these shows between these cities that, you know, we have no, nothing to support here. Right. Um, and I just think that there were certain considerations there were certain options that why they were not on the table again comes down to having you know just a narrow view of what was possible and not having you know mentors out in front of us that that could say hey you know why worry about that you don't have to yeah, worry totally. about that yeah. you know yeah. um i think it, i think it was a bit of a bit of crowd think in that everybody was kind of like well you, you know if you're not active you're done you know and it's kind of like well that's that's silly Right. They're not. Yeah. But, they can be mutually exclusive. I yeah. Totally get it. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I coming out of with honor, I struggled more with my identity personally, um, realizing that so much of my personal identity, um, was wrapped into 
doing the band and who I was in the band and the opportunities that the band allowed me. Um, I, it was a very difficult transition out of the band, not because I wanted to like be on stage or to be in, in, uh, you know, there's probably some aspect of, of the ego that's like, Oh yeah, I want to have the microphone. I want to be in front. I want to say what's on my mind. I mean, that's a tremendous opportunity, but to lose the ability to, create those ways to lose, you know, the connections with people that I had been in heavily invested in for years, both within the band and then from the band to other communities. I mean, that was, that was devastating for a time and difficult for a long time. Yeah, uh-huh. that was actually, that was actually going to be my next question of just the, you know, cause most people when they've poured themselves into a creative thrust that has any sort of public facing, um, you know, public facing implications, that idea of like, well, if I'm not known as, you know, Todd from with honor, like, you know, who am I like that existential? I mean, that that sounds dramatic, but just kind of figuring out your way in the world where it's like, Oh, now I'm plugged into quote unquote real life. And like, what does that look like? Oh, sure. Uh, And, and I mean, obviously with your trajectory of, you know, you, kind of taking a lot of applications of what you learned in the, you know, business structure of the band and doing what you've done with, you know, coffee and donuts and retail and all that stuff. I'm going to presume that like once you felt that communal vibe within the context of those, um, you know, arenas, that's kind of when you felt at home again. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, 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 aspects and lessons learned and ways that you feel, you know, I always look at moments where your creativity is alive and working where it's almost like, you know, you, someone has you in the grip of their hand by the head and, and they just let you down just enough to where your feet start hitting the ground. Right. And, and you're running and, um, and you know, that feeling where like things are clicking and they're going, I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing where all of a sudden when you can find that, uh, here, there, or, or wherever, musically, creatively, in business, in culture, and, you know, whether it's seen, not seen, etc. Um, you know, that's the, the special moment. And I think that, yeah, we, and especially in our more sort of young years, we're very tied to our perceived sense of self, which is almost always in relation to who we are to someone else, Right. Uh, because we're essentially looking out and they're saying, hey, you're my son, you're my brother, you're my partner, you're my dad, you're my, you know, um, and it's very easy to kind of take those and and to rely only on those. Um, you know, you're the singer of this band, you're the, the coffee guy or whatever. And um, I do think ultimately it was really healthy to go through that at that age to where it was like, oh, you know, because I'm not one, I mean, most of the people in my current work and, you know, uh, I'd say my current life, but it's not as though they're disconnected. I mean, they're all integrated, but I'm not really one who's like, oh, hey, check out what I did 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a weird vibe. That's like the, uh, you know, the, the guy that is uh, talking about his high school football game. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, going out to Furnace Fest and it's like, uh, you know, I get back and I'm like talking to some of my, my customers on Monday and I'm, you know, my voice is hoarse and it's like, oh, hey, are you sick? Like, you know, obviously in the COVID climate, it's like, oh, hey, man, are you all right? 
Like, oh yeah, I was just uh, you know, just out with my 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 hardcore band. It's like yeah, what? What? what do you do? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. <laughs> it was just hilarious. But uh, but yeah, I think you know, in time when the when I could start to feel myself invest investing, sorry, in in things and feeling things take root and and just kind of building slowly and surely, like I felt like uh you know, that same aspect of hope where I was like, wow, you know, I, th- I think it really boils down to being able to contribute, you know. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Mm, yeah, no, true. That like feeling like you are, uh, you know, doing something that is, you know, it's not just that idea of you know cashing a paycheck and not contributing. It's like you're like, oh no, I am literally doing something because, like, yeah, I, I think that's why people like us get attracted to this independent music scene is because yeah. of the feeling of wanting to participate and be, you know, active in one's life. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, two last things I want to hit on was one, you know, I mean, considering you like you mentioned before, you are a father and, you know, you're, you're a family man. I know that, uh, you know, speaking from experience, I also have a child and like how that uh, frames the way that not only you think about the world, but then how all of our previous experiences coming up in this independent music scene, you know, how do you feel like that influences you as a father or is that just kind of obviously hard baked into you know who you are as of now yeah i'm sure that there are ways that i can't identify um because it's just so embedded you know um but i do i do feel like uh the the feeling of connectedness and creativity that i experienced getting involved with music um, and the feeling that I wanted to do something and then with enough time and dedication and hard work and, and circumstance, tons of circumstance, right. Um, but just putting yourself in the way of possibility, you know, it, it can happen. Right. And I think that that changes the whole narrative for how my children and I interact and what I hope to bring to them when it comes to them dreaming. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I aspire to be a voice in their lives that is central and consistent and trustworthy and always, uh, talks, uh, positively and guides them positively towards, uh, the possibilities within, you know, what they hope for and what they, what they would love to try. You know, my son loves, playing soccer you know and he's just like enamored by the idea of like 
you know, playing for Barcelona or you know, something, which is, which is absolutely crazy in so many ways, but it's like, Oh, you know, the, the idea that your voice could not only say like, you know, slowly, surely over years, I love you to someone, you know, unwaveringly thousands and thousands of times, but that it could also be part of their embedded truth that like you can do anything you want to do, go for it. And if you, if you see the spark, follow it, you know? Um, and at some point when you don't like you can change, you can start over. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's where I hope that gets at your question, but I'm sure there's so many other things, you know, uh, I'm sure there's also healthy and unhealthy distrust of systems, you know, where you're like, yeah, hey, don't buy into this path that this whole thing is laying out for you because it's just, it's bullshit. Um, but, but that's not, uh, you know, uh, I think unpacking that view in healthy ways and just trying to, you know, communicate and, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's, I'm, I'm sure it's throughout. I'm sorry to fall apart there. No, that's fine. I mean, because that, that it, it's difficult to reflect on that because, you know, like we were saying, it's part of who you are. So it's, it's difficult to maybe pull out this like, oh, yes, I remember learning this at the, you know, the, the VFW hall here. And like, that's how it applies to me being a dad or whatever. Yeah, I think just the spark that like, yeah, you can make something from nothing. You know, yeah. like, like the idea that my, my daughter will be 10 this year in a, in a couple months. And, and the idea that she could, you know, she and my son and I have this little family band and like, she just loves writing lyrics and like the idea that she could, you know, decide, Hey, I want to say this and we're going to say this over that, you know, I mean, seeing those things trigger for her and pop, like, I mean, I can only imagine what that's going to become. And, you know, for me, that some of the most important things that I could leave with them besides their inherent pricelessness, value, you know, uh, complete value without any sort of uh, requirement or, you know, proof on their part, um, you know, their unconditional love that that they get just for being them is you know, to feel like, yeah, we can, we can make stuff. We can, we can offer something to people around us. Like we matter in this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so with the, uh, the, you know, resurrection of with honor, and like you were saying with the ability to exist in a band that there is no pressure whatsoever. Like you will do what you want to do because you're all adults and you know how to like work with each other, like all of these positive things that you get. Um, I'm sure it's just, it's probably funny to you that people still pay attention to the band just because you're like, dude, there's, you know, there's plenty of other bands that exist right now. Like, I like amazing bands. <laughs> totally, totally. So like, I mean, I know grateful is probably the biggest thing that you feel in regards to that, like, you know, being able to work with Pure Noise and being able to release new music and all that stuff. Um, are there any other feelings that kind of, you know, ping pong around your head as you're now a vocalist in a hardcore band again yeah i mean i just think it's so cool yeah grateful i'm 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 really excited i mean it feels very hopeful and exciting and you know i think in going back and playing a couple of these shows a few weeks ago uh um and just being in the practice space and you know working on new material just having this sense of um you know, just excitement to be completely unbound by the pressure that, that really 
you know, I, I don't think it was a factor in shaping what we created on our last album, you know, on the revenge record, but I think that it was there, you know, and the experience from in a like somatic sense, right? Like it's, it even feels like it was there. And I think we've had to unwind that a little bit, you know, I know I have like where, you know, realizing, oh, wow, no, we don't have to do anything in particular. We don't have to prove anything. And, you know, there's like a freedom and an excitement musically and creatively. And um, even, you know, in from like a messaging standpoint of what it feels like it's pouring out of the pen when I'm writing. And, you know, like it, it's very exciting to not feel at all encumbered by, you know, an expectation, whether internal or external. Um, and that, that is really cool. And, you know, I hope that, um, in celebrating that we can honor the opportunity, um, that pure noise is offering, which we are so grateful for. And, you know, and really like, uh, you know, create something that resonates with people who have loved the band a long time and find themselves in a new season for people who, have never, you know, heard the band that will be exposed to us through, you know, this opportunity. Um, and of course, anyone who like came upon us sometime, some way over the years, like, you know, when we were sleeping. <laughs> totally, totally. No, it's, it, it's really cool. And then, I mean, now you're obviously able to do a pre-order for your coffee and your record and it's just, it's all tied in together, dude. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's fun. It's cool to see the worlds collide. And, you know, it's funny because the world of specialty coffee is loaded with old hardcore punkers. So oh, yeah. like, so I mean, we it's it's I've sniffed out tons of people um, who either we connected years ago, or like, maybe we didn't, but we were in these tangential scenes and stuff. And so it's it's really cool to also kind of enter this phase where there is some like actual integration. Um which is really fun. And I hope that, you know, whatever we do do um, as we get into it, I think it'll be really fun to see how those things intertwine and, you know, just to, to be at the fest and to see coffee friends there as well. And you're like, wow, okay, cool. Small world, you know, yeah, always, know. always knew it was, but here we are like, you know, uh, doing this thing instead of that thing. So, yeah, no, for sure. Well, Todd, I I love you. I love hanging out with you. And this was great. So thank you very much for doing this. Great. You are a wonderful person. And I'm so, so thankful for the invite. Um, keep, uh, keep shining bright, my friend. So that was Todd. Like I said, just, isn't he the best? I just, I love him so much as a human, and I love his band too. It's nice when those things can kind of coincide. I mean, you don't have to enjoy someone's art to be their friend. Clearly, that's those are two separate things. But uh, yeah, when they all match up, it's like, oh my gosh, I just, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, Todd, for coming to hang out with me. And next week, again, not taking any weeks off, even even if it's the new year. This is the first episode of 2022, and I have... The legend, and I use—I don't use that word lightly, the legend Paige Hamilton from Helmet. This was, uh, I, I mean, a conversation that I just didn't really think to pursue because I was like, oh, I mean, you know, he, he's done press for a million years. What do, what do I got to ask him about that? And that's what we have next week. So happy new year. Hopefully you're, you're celebrating in a safe and sane way. And um, yeah, you enjoy it with, like I said, your friends and family and loved ones. So until then, please be safe, everybody. 
The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.